Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah, nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. All right, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Today, I'm sitting down, I guess, virtually with Dan Staten. Staten, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, from Elk Shape. Uh, Dan, thanks for coming on and, and chatting with me today. My pleasure. Yeah, excellent. So I've been uh, following you, Dave, uh, Dan, for a while, uh, following some of the, the workout stuff you do, some of the hunts you did. It looks like you just got back from a pretty epic bear hunt. Uh, with your bow so you uh you got that thing cut up and in the freezer and all taken care of yet or where you at yeah i just uh what is today monday i killed a bear in idaho on thursday uh right before dark and um probably didn't get yeah i didn't get back to camp till 2 a.m and it was mainly because of where the bear died it's the worst imaginable place where a bear and i knew actually knew that yeah. uh this little abandoned logging road and i mean it's been it's gated yeah it's not very long 
So people usually don't think to go check it. And it's right. kind of my tertiary spot for a bear hunt. Like uh, it's where I'll end the last, if I haven't seen a bear at my primary or secondary, I scoot down to this spot the last 20 minutes of daylight because it does have a ton of bear uh, crap on the road. And I can tell the bears have been using it. It's secluded, but on the shelf off that side is about a thousand foot drop off. And it's mostly cliffs, but the bears don't mind. They seem to, I think they did in there to be honest. So yeah, yeah, it was, we found the bear fast. He, I mean, it was a good shot, all that stuff, but it's just like, we had to tie the bears limbs off with paracords so that we could actually break it down so it wouldn't go tumbling down the mountain yeah. any further so it was a rodeo but i mean that's what we live for yeah that's that's what you're training for it's what you're shooting for um and, and so it was public land it sounds like with your bow so i just got back from a bear hunt in montana um with my rifle um but i i've like it was a place places we'd never been we got one uh pulled one out of there and it's actually still in my freezer i still have to finish it up with the butcher paper and everything but um yeah i was surprised i mean you you got right in on that with your bow and like looked like it was no problem i mean obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it but what's your uh how are you getting so close to him with your bow so listen up rifle hunter um i i don't i don't uh like you guys yeah, to be fair. hunting fair. Here's the, and, and I'm just gonna be honest. Like, I don't really like you guys hunting where I hunt. Yeah. Uh, and I saw four rifle hunters this year when I've never seen rifle hunters where I hunt before. And I have several spots, but, um, you guys annoy me because you got these custom made guns and honestly, <laughs> you're pretty deadly. Like you see a bear, you shoot the bear, right? I see the bear and my hunt just starts when yours ends. Yeah. Um, but I don't want your listeners to get mad at me because I will say, I love that there's rifle hunters out there Yeah. when seasons are coinciding with like in Idaho, we have like cougar was open uh, as well as wolf. And right. honestly, a rifle hunter is super effective on those predators. And at the end of the day, we are predator hunting, trying to help manage that equation. So mad respect to rifle. <laughs> I just, prefer to do it with the bow i like getting ground level yeah with bears it's just to me it's way more exciting although i threaten to quit every year because the stocks get blown and <laughs> get foiled and i feel like how did i ever do this before so right. yeah but to get close yeah it's it's a matter of um well a lot of rifle hunters like yourself will probably shoot across canyons like it's only a three, 400 yard shot for you across the Canyon. Um, for me, I got to cross that Canyon and you know, you can't glass bears on the same side. Right. As you. It's too steep. So we glass canyons, we have primary spots, secondary tertiary, like I mentioned. And the strategy there is simple at a master vantage. It could be a five, six mile vantage. Right. We're hunting there in the morning and the midday, because if we see a bear pop out for five, 10, 15 minutes, there's a good chance they're going to pop out later the day in the same spot. So we need minutes, if not hours to get to them. And so right. finding bears isn't the hardest getting to them. Secondary spots we move to around four 30. Okay. And that's going to be like bear 30 is what we call it. And those are spots where it's not as good of advantage, but it's still really good. And if you see a bear, you can get there when say under an hour. Yeah, and sure. Have time and then the tertiary we hardly hunt because we usually see a bear at the secondary but if we do the tertiary deal it's going to be 
basically still hunting logging roads sure. that are really gated and niche and you're usually a ha- have a hike of shame or a walk of shame out when it gets too dark to see your pins and yeah you're out of legal light and you walk back and bump bears and uh so that's kind <laughs> of our strategy but they all work well i've baited bears i've never hunted bears with hounds um but i prefer spot and stock that's my absolute favorite way to do it with a bow yeah it was cool this was my first spot and stock bear hunt you know i'm in michigan so i done the hound thing two years ago last fall that was my first hound hunt last fall was over bait for the first time in the up of michigan and so this i just once i first got that first bear i was like i gotta keep doing this so i'm this was my first spot and stock uh uh one that i'd ever done um and that was what i was thinking the whole time because i'm actually usually with you i usually just prefer to hunt with my bow it's it's just what i like to do like you said you get close you get to um it's harder and obviously like when one hunt ends you know you hear a lot of guys say that you're the bow hunters hunt begins because you're making moves trying to get ahead of it and everything else um but that's you know spending a week bow uh bear hunting with a rifle um it, we went early. It was tough. Like it was tough to lay eyes on a bear where we were. Um, so my bear actually was 70 yards, uh, and I had kicked him up off the road, uh, just feeding where there was actually any kind of green grass and some of those glacier lilies. Um, and so that's mine was hardly the across Canyon shot and actually probably would have been more comfortable at where I was shooting with my bow than where I, with my, with my rifle. But, uh, yeah, we saw it's, it was just such a blast. And like I said, just going into this podcast, I was checking out some of the, uh, the adventures you'd been up to. It was pretty cool. And if I understand it right, you not, so you do a lot of work. We'll get into the, the working out and training and things, but you do, uh, these is a pretty cool, uh, elk shaped camp. Um, it's, it looks like you're just finishing up and you're starting to prep for, for next year, but tell me a little bit about what this camp, what, what these are all about. Okay. Yeah. So we started doing elk shaped camps about five years ago. And it was kind of a, I just threw it out there. I was still had a real job. I, I was on operating a, a gym and I was making content. I've been in the hunting industry since 2007. So I'm not a stranger, but I was really kind of pushing the digital stuff. And um, I threw it out there that, Hey, I want to try an elk shape camp. Uh, I, I have room for 20. I'm going to open up registration this Friday. I'm going to charge a couple hundred bucks um let me know sign up if you want to come yeah thing sold out in an hour and i was like oh my gosh okay we better deliver so that first camp was very much fitness nutrition driven sure. uh i did have i did have dirk durham of phelps game calls yeah. show up and i did call my buddy ryan lampers and said hey come talk backcountry gear so they came and helped me but it was a hit and i really enjoyed doing them uh to be honest with you because it's it's a smorgasbord of elk hunters. We had guys that were seasoned vets just looking for like that one nugget to help yeah. elevate. We had guys that were completely brand new, knew nothing, didn't know what they didn't know. Right. And, uh, and since then we've done probably 20 camps somewhere between four or five a year. And, um, I'm here to tell you, like, it doesn't get old. We still get a, vi- a variety of experience levels. And, uh, we, my job, is kind of to sniff out the attendees weaknesses and I'm fairly decent at doing that. And then writing them a blueprint to work towards the season. And so we only do four or five camps a year and we try to get them done in the first 
quarter, maybe early second quarter, because we want them to have time to work on the prescription that right. we give them. Some guys it's like, all right, for you, you have everything under the sun to work on. So here's how you don't like um, neglect anything. Here's kind of a prescription for chipping away. Some guys just have like one or two weaknesses and it's like really obvious. And so for those guys, we, we really have them target like, Hey, you have a ridiculous dose of target panic. Uh, <laughs> when the shot really counts, you're going to be doing these shooting under duress drills. You're going to work with this coach. You're going to do this online course with Joel Turner. And then this is your prescription of arrows. Here's how many 3d shoots you need to do this year. All your shots with a backpack, no more flip flops in the backyard, you know, elk calling, uh, elk biology behavior, and then e-scouting. Most people suck at e-scouting. They think e-scouting is dropping pins on their phone on Onyx. I'm here to tell you that is not. Um, but ultimately it boils down to separation is in the preparation when you're hunting elk on public land. I still do blue collar style. I'm not blue collar, but blue star, blue collar style, average ass hunts on public land. So people see me, see my truck and they're like, message me and they're like, Hey, I saw you there. I'm like, yeah, you did. Because I'm out there cutting my teeth too. I still love shooting a raghorn bull on my seventh day of my seven day hunt. Uh, as a buzzer beater, I get excited about that. Um, yes, I want to go to ranches and shoot, have an opportunity to shoot really mature, big bulls that are unpressured. Um, but I don't want to hunt with a guide. I want to hunt solo. I want to do my thing. And I, um, I think more people can relate to that, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's reality for most people. And and we would, we would agree, you know, we're uh, obviously out East of you in Michigan, uh, but we do the same thing with, with whitetail deer. I mean, obviously you want to go hunt these big chunks of private land with these, you know, 170 inch whitetail deer, but I am, you know, so happy that if I go camp and come up with a 120, you know, 115, 120 inch buck, I'm going to be on, you know, six day. I'm happy as you can be. Um, so I can, I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, for these elk shaped camps, um, you know, just thinking, applying it to my own life. So I, I teach, uh, at, at night at, at a college here and, I often will see, you know, um, in the, the curriculum that I'll teach, there'll be common threads that students struggle with, right? So it's like, you know, I do business law. So the commerce clause, students somehow just have a hard time understanding exactly what this is. So as I've been looking at your, your elk shape camp, I got to imagine there's, there's a common thread where no matter if they're new or old, there's some, you know, thing that people continually, like, that's the thing that's like most common that people have a, a struggle with. What would you, what would you think that would be? You're not as fit as you thought you were. You're not as good uh, under pressure as you thought you were. <clears throat> and um, you suck at out calling. You don't, <laughs> you overcommit too much time to one particular spot. You spend too much time getting there and elk are nomadic and you spend too much time chasing elk that are not there. Um, you take naps at midday. You don't hunt all day, every day. Uh, you're afraid of the dark. I mean, the list goes on. So like I'll sniff any of those things out. We'll identify them. We'll address them. And the cool thing is, is that there's ways to mitigate all these. And, um, I'm not as fit as I want to be. I'm not as good a shot as I want right. to be. Hence the work ethic that I promote because it is a day to day grind working on the things or working on the glaring weaknesses. So there's a laundry list, man, but we'll sniff them out. 
Are you getting good at sniffing them out? Like, can you look at somebody walking in and just see and know? No, 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 no. I don't judge a book by its cover at all. Learned that a long time ago. Um, but we, it does take a, a full three days to kind of set a plan for each attendee yeah. and talk to my team as well every night when camp's over. And um, it's a lot of work to do these camps. And honestly, it's very rewarding. Uh, I love seeing pictures in the fall come back. Um, with guys that, you know, punch their first elk tag ever. They killed a spike. They killed a cow, which we tell them, hey, if you've never killed an elk, like understand your parameters. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I see with new elk hunters or elk hunters who haven't punched their tag, and keep in mind, I struggled with the archery elk hunting learning curve. Um, I killed an elk five minutes into my first rifle elk hunt. The next year I got into bow hunting and I did not punch a tag for till five years later. Okay. And it wasn't a lack for trying. And it was, certainly wasn't a lack of time in the field. It was just, I didn't, I hadn't developed my game yet. Um, all that is to say is like, man, you need to not look at Instagram October 1st and scroll through all the successful people. And you're like, I'm a failure. I suck. I quit or et cetera, et cetera. That will rob you of your joy. If you go into the season setting the parameters of what a successful season looks like to you, that's what's going to be important because some guys have never heard an elk bugle. Well, if you get into bugles, you just had a successful elk season. You just drove yeah. from upper, you know, Michigan yeah. 24 hours and found elk, got into elk and almost got a shot and you stayed out there, you survived, you thrived and you yeah. came home in one piece, bro. That's a successful elk hunt. You know, yeah. maybe you didn't get your meat yet, but you will. It's a process. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. I love that because, and then we talk about this a lot, but if you think about life or hunting or whatever, in those terms, there's not really ever failing you know, you're just, it's always just building and right. And so every time you build and you, you advance or you, you make, whether it's an inch or a foot or a mile forward, you're still winning. There's no losing, you know? Um, and so maybe you don't kill an elk. Uh, maybe you get into them. Maybe you find a wallow and you understand how elk use a wallow, right. Uh, at certain times of years or whatever, whatever you're doing out there, that's all adding to this, you know, these things that you're building up. And I, I feel like that way you think about it that way. It's, it's a lot less pressure when you're hunting and it's a lot more fun. That's a fact, man. Um, all right. So you, uh, you've doing these camps a couple of years now you've got, you sold out pretty quick. You're done. You're already filling up next year. Uh, you, uh, you're putting a plan together. It sounds like, you know, in the night and, and after these three days for these folks, it, it sounds very similar to what you would do. If you were a trainer, uh, you meet somebody, you, you check out where they're at physically, you put a plan together for them. Is that where kind of this idea came from? hundred percent. At the end of the day, I'm just a coach. Right. Um, and I, that's what I've spent most of my years is writing programs and helping people identify their weaknesses and make them their strengths. And I don't think it's any different when it comes to elk hunting. I think you can do the same thing. Yeah. Are you, uh, so just tell me about your background. Where do you come from? What do you, what did you, did you do? What do you do now? What does it look like? So I think I'm just basically a personal trainer out of high school, managed health clubs for years while putting myself through undergrad and grad, all exercise, physiology, science degrees, 
had my mark set on being a strength and conditioning coach, specifically NFL. Okay. I love football. You play football? Uh, I did, but I'm yeah. not big. Uh, okay. But I, I did. I always told my dad, if you could have married a woman that was not five foot, I would have <laughs> been taller and I would have had a chance to play in the NFL. That's not true. I'm not that fast. But um, I love football. I love contact sports. Um, I love the physicality of football and I love training for football. That's what I did. Turns out um, strength and conditioning coaches, specifically football, college and pro, do not have time off in the fall. That's when the season. And uh, I had already become completely addicted to elk hunting when I was 20, uh, 20 years old. So I had to pivot and I did pivot and I ended up um, still pursuing like sports performance, opened up a speed school in Boise, Idaho, trained youth athletes, collegiate athletes, you know, a few pros here and there. Then I moved home opened up a CrossFit gym. That's a long story, but I ran that CrossFit gym for 11 years. It was called CrossFit Spokane Valley. And I had two flags. I also had another company called Fast Track Performance. Mm -hmm. So we trained athletes for sports and we also trained adults for CrossFit. And then I sold that. um, I'm terrible. Maybe two or three years ago, I sold the gym to the right guy who could take over and do it well. And I did decided to try doing elk shape digital media stuff full time. And here we are, I guess I'm still doing it. So it's working out. You have a house around, you're not living in a box. So like, it looks like things are going okay. That had to be a big jump. I mean, that's a big leap of faith there. Yeah, I think I did it strategically. I mean, I was doing elk shape since 2013. Before that, I owned a company called train to hunt, which was online training for hunting with a partner. Um, so elk shape had stuff in place, but I did get kind of more serious about elk shape and started a podcast, I think five and a half years ago. And I was doing YouTube and social media stuff and writing, but I got pretty darn serious about it after that first elk shape camp, I still own the gym, but when that thing sold out, I was like, Hey, I like fitness, but I like elk hunting. Elk hunting is at the very at the top. Yeah. Is there a way where I could not ruin my passion for elk hunting, but just kind of help people and love and do both and eventually sold the gym. And I honestly don't know how long I'll do elk shape. I guess I'll do it as long as people yeah, keep showing like up it. and listening. And if they don't like it, I'll just go like drive a garbage truck because you know, I, I'm not a money chaser. I don't, I'm a time chaser. I literally just want to have the freedom and flexibility in my schedule to kind of um, have time for the stuff I'm passionate about. Yeah. It seems like you're a bit of an entrepreneur too. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's hard for me to believe you're going to be out, you know, driving a garbage truck instead of starting your other thing. It's, it's funny. I, I had come across you, I think years and years ago, um, living in New Jersey in school, uh, probably right when you started. And I, and I Where had in seen- uh, New Jersey. Uh, I was in Bergen County. So, right. I went to school in Newark uh, and, and lived in Bergen County, uh, which was not just, I didn't have any, much chance to hunt. So I spent a lot of time 
when I wasn't studying, engaging in, I guess you could call it the fancy way would be engaging with social co- media content, but it would basically just be spending on time online, uh, <laughs> you know, because it was like, I can't hunt. I'm like always in this library, but I see, you know, and so I, I ended up finding you there. So it's funny that how far you've, you've kind of come and all the, the places you've been since then. That's awesome. I did, um, I did uh, the speed school stuff in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Okay. And so I've spent quite a bit of time in Fairlawn working with athletes and training um, weeks at a time for a couple of years. And so got to be honest, man, the East Coast is not my flavor. I really struggle out there when you don't see mountains and there's toll bridges everywhere and traffic Mm. and buildings. I, I don't know how people do it. No, and I've said this on our podcast before, but you know, I, I hunted prior. So this is law school. I hunted a, quite a bit prior, but when I went there, it was like, because I had so little access to it because I missed the woods so badly. When I came back, I was like, I ended up being obsessed with it. Like it was, it like turned it up to 11 after that. Yep. And so no Fairlawn, I think I had a train stop in Fairlawn on the way to, I had to take the stupid train to school. Well, my first day of school, I, so I, we got married, my wife and I, that night we drove to New Jersey from where we got married in Illinois because I had school like two days later. So we get in the car, you know, first couple of days we're living in New Jersey. I take like the practice train run because in Michigan, we just, we're not like, we don't have trains and subways and things like that. And so I'm like, all right, you know, I'm terrible at following directions. This is, this is going to be a disaster, but I'm going to go do two days where I just practice getting to school and back. Right. That's smart, so, man. Right. Well, you would think it was smart because I did it and I like was successful. First day of school, I get on the train and I'm like, everything changes because it's not the weekend and there's just people everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know where to go. So I, I find this guy and I'm like, Hey, uh, can you get me to Newark Penn station? I didn't know it, but there's also a New York Penn station. So he's like, all right, take this train. So I get on the train and I, I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem right. It doesn't look familiar, but I guess this is where he told me to go. I walk out and I look and I'm literally in Madison Square Garden. Like that's where the train stop comes off. So I'm like, I missed my first day of school. And I, I come home. I'm like, Laura, my wife, I'm like, I don't know. I can't even make it to class. Like what is that's school? That's law school? Like? Yeah. Like L1? Yeah, L1. Yeah, 1L, oh. yeah. And so the next day I'm like, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to do it right. I did the same thing twice, two days in a row. I'm like, I get home and I'm like, Laura, I'm never, I'm never going to graduate. I I don't, you know, I've missed two days. I don't, who knows what everybody learned in those two days. That's probably like the key to their success, you know? So no, I was glad to get out of the East coast uh, and kind of get into more open spaces. But, you know, I do have respect for some of those people. Hey, you got to grind in a very different way there. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's a it's a mindset, and uh, I mean, mad respect. But uh, you stress me out missing the first two days of L one. Like, I mean, that would just I'm so tightly wound and OCD neurotic. Like, I would probably fall apart knowing that oh. I missed two days of instruction. My whole back muscles. I just remember feeling, you know, when they get like that stress tightness in your back. It's like, oh, I it was bad. But now I'm I'm done. I did graduate. It worked out. I did travel through Fairlawn fairly often. Um, so it's good. No, so that's cool. So you, you've, you got, you're excited about, it seems to me, you know, meeting you um, entrepreneurship and coaching. And it's cool to see that you're, you're kind of using that in social media. You do a ton of videos and stuff and you're, you're coaching these, these people through. Um, but a lot of elk shape is, is more than that too. I mean, you do a podcast, you do gym stuff. 
talk to me a little bit about some of the other things that you're up to. Well, the podcast to me is kind of, um, I love doing them. Hence, like I'm enjoying every second of our conversation because uh, I get to know people beyond a surface level. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And I try to get people on that aren't um, the recycled guest list on yeah. everyone else's podcast. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just, I try to find those diamonds in the rough. Um, I'll talk to anyone. And I also don't turn down podcast invitations. I have, um, I say that, but I might have to soon, but I mean, I go on a lot of podcasts and I try to not repeat myself. And I try to get to know like you, I'm trying to get to know you right now. And, um, and I'm, I'm enjoying it, James, but the, the podcast for me is once a week and try to mix in a, a flavor of, look, I'm selling hard work. You want to be an elk hunter on public land. You found your podcast. You want to yeah. leverage it so that you're a better husband, a better dad, a better employee or employer, um, that you work out, that you eat right, that you shoot and you're consistent and you're disciplined and your life's better because of elk hunting. Your life right. shouldn't be worse because of elk hunting. Uh, if it is, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And so I really believe in that message. It's very niche. Like obviously, like we're talking about dissecting the hunting population down to those that are just passionate about pretty much archery elk hunting. It's not a huge net, but we do get a crap load of downloads and get a lot of feedback and um, I'm honored to do it. As far as the, the, the training programs, we're continuing to add that to those programs. And I, I've learned that people don't do well. Like I don't get, I don't sell one year programs. I just don't think people stay true to them. Sure. So somewhere along the line, I figured out I'm just doing 30 day. I think I have Smart. one that's 90 days, but I'm like, just do 30 days. Um, are you going to see a tremendous amount of results in 30 days? Maybe depending on how you eat, how you sleep, how you rest, how you recover and the stimulus. But uh, we continue to put out, pump out new programs. It's all cross training. Yeah. I'm not a huge specificity guy when it comes to elk hunting. I'm more of a general physical preparedness yeah. type of an advocate. I feel like you know, an abundance of backpacking, rucking is cool because you definitely do that. It's elk hiking. But I like the idea of like mixing in not only the strength and the power, but, you know, the coordination, the accuracy, the agility, the elasticity, plyometrics, interval conditioning, like a variety of stuff. So that training's fun and exciting, not lame, and that you are well-rounded when you get to the mountains. And ultimately, I want everyone to be limitless. I feel like I'm limitless. And maybe that's... Um, that sounds probably conceited and I'm not conceited. I'm not saying like I'm limited. I'm just saying like, while I'm elk hunting, I, I don't really like stop and go, well, that's, can that's I do another, that? Can yeah. I to get over there? It's kind of like, no, I can do it. I've done it before. And that's probably some history of elk hunting in a lot of years, but like uh, I feel good and I, and I give her all I got every day and I, it's working. So um, that's why we kind of make programs like that. It's earned confidence at that point for you. I mean, I think that's the difference between doing it your first time or doing it for a long time, doing it with some training, doing it with decades of training going in. You can look at something and just, I was listening to a, a podcast with Cameron Haynes and he talked about um, 
when he started running long, long distances, he would, it was, it would make hunting a lot easier for him because he would say, well, this is a, you know, 13 mile stretch of wilderness area or whatever. Well, I know that I can run that I like, I know what that's like to run across that amount of space. So all of a sudden this big space feels smaller because your, your experience with it. And, and just for, for a guy that comes from the East, so to speak, I guess for the, the Midwest region, um, going West and hunting is very different and it is mentally, I loved it, but it is, it is much harder than, than people, than you even would know before going. Right. So you get there and you're like, I've trained, this is great. You know, um, but you start taking your, your whole pack of all your stuff for the week up the mountain. And you're like, it's like, Oh, this is, Oh yeah, this. And, and I like what you said about, um, using this to be better in air, other areas of life, uh, because that mental toughness, that fortitude, uh, is the way that I, we talk about it in my family with my daughter, uh, is not a lot of people have it. Um, and not even a lot of hunters have it. Uh, so when you said niche, you're talking to a, a certain select group of people who are not your weekend hunters, not the guys that go out have some beers and maybe hit, hit the woods a couple times in the year. Like these are guys that are, they want to get better. They want to push hard. They want to find that you know, that adventure a lot of times for whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. And I think it's cool. However you want to hunt, whatever your goals are, act accordingly, train accordingly. For me, obviously I take it pretty serious. Uh, and even if I didn't have elk shape, I still like looking back over the last 21 elk seasons is man, I, I quit jobs to go elk hunt for a whole month. Right. I, I hired people to train at my gym so that I could leave and hope that it's all like, doesn't go down the shitter when I get back, you know, yeah. business wise. And, um, I've sacrificed with my wife and my kids and they all are on board with that. I, I need this. I do this. This is an addiction. This is what makes me tick. This is how I feel alive. And this is how I get clarity. This is how I go get time with the creator. This is special. And you're going to get a better Dan Staten at the end of September, when I come out of this little elk hunting hole and, uh, I, I do treat it very serious and I don't think you have to do that, but man, if you did, you might, uh, really have a better experience and you might make other things in your life better as well. Yeah. I like that. I like that because it's, it's priority setting, right. And everybody's life is what you build it to be. Um, and if you love to elk hunt or you love whatever you build your life around these major things and, and then you fill in the rest, um, as you go. And so, um, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, as you've, as you've done this, you've been hunting uh, elk for a long time, certainly. What was the hardest thing for you to learn? Like, what was the, the thing that you had the hardest time just getting right? Well, I'm still learning. I'm still a student. Sure. I, still, I mean, up I still, to this point. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the biggest successes for me, um, beyond some of the most basic fundamental navigational skills in the mountains, like I used to do it all wrong. I would go down a mountain, cross a Creek, go up a mountain yeah. and I would elk don't travel like that at all ever. They are lazy suckers. They take exactly the path yeah. of least resistance. And, um, I know that sounds basic, but that's like one of the first things I, I did wrong was that it's kind of hard to get in front of elk or manu maneuver, manipulate when 
you're straight up always struggling to keep up with them because, and not that a lot of people can keep up with them, but like I really couldn't even keep up with them when I traveled wrong. Um, but there was this, there was a point in time where and my dad is my best friend. I love him to death, but there was a point in time because we were elk hunting partners where I finally kind of put a piece to the puzzle that changed everything for me. And I'll tell you this much, my dad and I would hunt hard for several days in a row. And then he would take a rest day, mm-hmm. you know, and on those rest days, year after year, consistently, I would go and kill an elk the first day that he was gone. And finally it clicked and I'm like, I'm better at elk hunting solo than I am with a team. Yeah. And it's just, it's not maybe, and maybe it's just my personality, but I make decisions faster. I don't have to explain where I'm going and the rendezvous point and when you can expect me back. It's like, if I want to go after that bull, the last 15 minutes of daylight and it's a thousand foot drop, I don't have to text in reach radio. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And that right there changed my game where I really became in love with solo elk hunting. And then actually what we ended up working out a deal with my dad and my dad's killed the elk solo, but for the next several years, I would be like, I'm going to go kill. I'm going to go fill both my Idaho elk tags. Yes. I used to be able to get two Idaho. Elk must, tags. Yeah. Must yeah be must nice. been, that shit's <laughs> that shit. That ship sailed. Let's just say that. Um, when I tag out, I will spend the rest of the month being your dedicated caller. And that worked extremely well um, to where we both get our elk tags punch at the end of the year, at the end of the season, uh, working that way. And um, man, that's, that's what changed my game. So I always encourage people to consider solo elk hunting. It's definitely, um, it's not a social event. It's not, (laughs) um, it can be really daunting, especially I can't tell you how many bulls I've had to break down and pack out by myself in places where I'm cursing myself. I'm like, you effing idiot. <laughs> You're going to lose this meat. Like I've had to like do emergency, like go the wrong direction just to get the meat in a cooler spot so that I can save it. And the meat's everything to me, Yeah, everything to me. Like I love eating elk meat. And so, yeah, man, solo elk hunting is not for everybody, but dang, is it? It's pretty cool when all your failure and all your successes are on your shoulders. I found hunting alone the the first night always to be kind of the weirdest in terms of when you're by yourself. Um, It seems like you've done this a lot where it probably is not where you don't even think about it as much anymore. But when you were starting out, was did you struggle with going out alone? Was that weird? Dude, I just... uh... I went out alone a few times before I finally like really clicked, but yeah, I remember in like 2001, my dad couldn't get this late. Like uh, it was opening weekend and um, it was in North Idaho and it opened August 30th. And um, I just remember he couldn't get the time off. Uh, he was saving his time off for like the good, you sure. know? Yeah. And I was like, well, I already quit my job, so I'm going. And um that was like my first time where I put a tent out. I had to get up in the dark. I had to hike up a really steep, thick, brushed out, wet across a creek, get up there with the elk or bugling. And man, I bugled in a bull that first morning to like 20 yards. He had like cows and 
I don't know how many, I didn't see all of them. He's a nice six point bull. And I actually shot at him. And when I mean, I shot at my string hit my bugle tube because I was calling for myself. And then I had a little string and I put it in the wrong spot. And as soon as I had him at 20, I shot and I hear that horrible sound of my string slapping my bugle tube. my arrow did not make it to him. And um, I don't know all the, all the being alone, all the being afraid of the dark and being scared, all the, all that goes away Yeah. when that happens. And it's like this turmoil of loneliness and, and doubt does not matter to me because of what just happened. Exactly. And I want that to happen again. I'm willing to put up with all this other nonsense. And the one thing I will tell the listeners, and I think I've said this on my podcast is like, don't go to the mountains with skeletons in your closet and hunt solo. So let's say like my wife and I get in a huge fight. I'm going elk hunting for the whole month and I'm an a-hole about it. And I don't, I don't, I'm not good dad. I'm not a good husband. And I don't, I'm selfish and self-absorbed. I'm going to reflect on that in the mountain when I'm hunting solo 10 times more than if I was hunting with you, James, and we were just having awesome, cool bro conversations yeah, at right. campfire at night. Like when you're by yourself, you ain't got nothing but time to think and you're not elk hunting 24 hours a day. In fact, how many hours are you actually hunting? How much hours of daylight are in September? It's dwindling day right. by day. So there's a lot of time to stop, think and reflect, which is actually, I've grown to love that time. That's what I meant by clarity. I get a lot of clarity. I look at a couple of things and what I've done, what I've said, my actions, and there's some things to be corrected and there's a spotlight on those things. So yeah. solo hunting, man, it is therapeutic in so many ways. Well, it's funny you say that, um, because I think it's harder and people have a harder and harder time, uh, being alone anyways, or in a quiet anyways, uh, in, in one, a couple now, uh, during the week, a night a week, I, I lead a Bible study for younger guys. Um, and I'm surprised by how much they're unable to have quiet. Like they can't even sleep with quiet. They have to have a podcast going in the background or music going in the background or, or something. And, and I, I wonder about what, what that means, where that comes from and the implications of, of what that, what those implications will have, like what's going to happen for these, these guys uh, down the road. Why, why, why can't they have quiet? Why can't they be alone with themselves? And, and the more I'm exposed to this, the more I think it's just hard to be with yourself. Sometimes, like you said, if you have skeletons in your closet, anything you, you, that is undealt with that is on your mind, on your heart, there's no hiding from it. And it feels like it's yelling when you're out in the mountain alone. It feels like it's loud. Um, and I, I just wonder, you know, what that does to a person when you don't have that quiet time to deal with it. I don't know. Honestly, I think, um, I was in the word today, Philippians, um, chapter four, five, uh, verse five, somewhere in there. But the, the bottom line was like, guard your heart. That's what I got out of that scripture. And I'm like, you know, as that applies to this conversation, I think you do need to guard your heart with all the distractions, like having a podcast on in the background at all times, or having music or laying in bed, but grabbing your phone and, and scrolling and scrolling, or, Oh, I have, you know, I got to go watch this YouTube video, like the digital media and all the distractions are out there for you to not really think about real stuff. Right. And so I always encourage everyone to guard your heart, myself included, I need to guard your heart. That really spoke to me today. And I'm like, 
I want to teach my kids how to guard their heart because they're at public school right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that they're talking about at age five and seven that blows my mind. Like, you know, they know what TikTok is, even though they don't have a phone. Um, They know what Instagram is. They know what YouTube is. Actually, they know YouTube very well. I've had to block YouTube everywhere I can. And I'm kind of a YouTuber. Right. You know, it's um, guard your heart. Go solo elk hunting. Be still. Be listen. Be quiet. Um, There's a dude who did that a lot. He would like sneak away from his disciples and he would get up on the mountain and he would be quiet and he would be still. And I feel like he's probably showing us best practices. And so it's something like a little nugget to take away. Yeah. Yeah. That quiet time. And if, if he needed it, you know, I, I'm pretty sure everybody else is going to need it too. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. And, um, and that's, you know, you, you said you get clarity when you hunt and that that's immediately what sprung to my mind, whether you're hunting or you're just out alone in the, the woods. Um, obviously I, I would prefer to be hunting, uh, but that, that time alone is critical. Um, so we're heading into the summer. Um, you're obviously training hard. September's not that far away. If you think about it, are you, uh, physically where you want to be? Yeah, it's 80 days out, but who's counting, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always in good shape. Like, um, I own a shop in the backyard that I built. It's not a shop. It's a gym. It's, stu- it's actually spoiled. I, I, it's a dream come true to have a training facility in my backyard. Yeah. It's not commercial. I don't have clients. I don't want clients. Uh, it's just my dojo. So I'm weaker than I've been in a long time right now. I've been hunting a lot, turkeys, Alaska bear, Idaho bear. And then before that I had to travel all over the country to an elk shape camp. So continuity wise, like I still get workouts in, but I'm really excited about the next 80 days where I'm going to do an abundance of strength training and do it yeah. proper and periodize. I'm going to do an abundance of interval and conditioning pieces and trail run and shoot my bow a lot. And I already do all those things more than your average guy, but yeah, all about training, shooting and spending as much time off as possible with my family doing whatever they want to do, not what I want to do. So I didn't list off scouting, going to cool mountains and checking and finding breeding benches and putting out trail cameras over wallows. I may get to do a little bit of that, yeah. but I've grown to know that that's not worth the the cost that's, that's not worth doing when you have a family to save all that for when I'm going to be gone. Yeah. Cause you're, you're going to be gone for a while. You're going to be spending a lot of time away. And no, I, I, I've wrestled finding that, that balance as well. How many hours a day are you working out? I work out hard, not long. Okay. There's a difference. So yeah. yesterday I put off working out the entire day and I was in a terrible mood and I needed to make my kids dinner And my wife was not home. And I was like, so I made them dinner and I was starving, but I'm like, you don't get to eat till you work out. Like you need to do something every day. Like don't squander. So I went out to the gym. I bet I worked out for 16 minutes and that was it. What I did was I just, I threw some weight on a bench press. I warmed up a little bit and I just did as many reps as I could on a set of bench pressing like, I don't know, like my body weight, 165. And then I did as many hip back extensions as possible for my lower back and butt in between sets, never resting. Yeah. Then I grabbed a deadlift weight of 275, did 
did as many reps as I could. And then in between sets, I would do a max set of push-ups. And I just did that back and forth, five sets. And then I got on the ski erg and I went 30 seconds, 100% effort, 30 seconds, try not to die, rest five rounds and walked out of the gym 16 minutes later. I felt way better about myself. It wasn't the greatest workout of all time, but I did something. I'm going to be sore from it. I'm going to hit an adaptation. Um, there's just days like that, right? Yeah. Where 16 minutes is all I did, but it's better than zero minutes. I love that. And yeah, I love that. It sounds like being sore is important. Like you do try, is that what you're aiming for? Is, and obviously not in a bad way. Uh, we don't need to get into that, but you know, you're trying to feel it. Yeah, no, I, I, I want the muscles full of blood. I want them to, to hit some sort of failure, some yeah. sort of like, I want to get a stimulus. I want to get a dividend later. Yeah. Um, I actually hate being sore because it's harder to get warmed up and train um, when your legs are mainly legs, when your legs are just so sore, but I'm just used to being sore, right? Like I've been sore since 2000 and yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's fine, but, um, no, man, I'm excited to like get back to some really good training, maybe even make a program, a preseason program. It won't be for this year, but I love training, writing, trying. It's a, it's a lab. We do experiments in there and we're trying to, uh, I love motivating people. I do think that we do a decent job at that and it's not fake. I think they know it's authentic. Like this is really who we are. And, um, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. So you're heading to the fall. You got elk hunting. You got any exciting hunts or any cool places you're headed? I'm still waiting for some draw results to be honest with you. Um, and that would mean I have some tags secured. Like I'm definitely going to Idaho. Uh, I do have a Montana general, um, those two tags alone are more than enough for me to just have a great season and hit her hard. Montana's got a six week archery season. Idaho's got a 30 day. So between those two States, um, my home state of Washington draw results aren't out yet. Um, but I should end up with an over the counter tag. Like I always do in Washington. The question is, is will I be actually hunting it? I don't even know. Um, yeah. I have, two mule deer tags for November nice. and that's probably it, man. Honestly, elk is the priority and everything else is kind of like, I usually chase antelope. We'll see about that. Um, oh, that's yeah, right. You have some antelope out in Washington, right? And you're on the East east side of the state. We, we might have some antelope, but there's no hunting season. So I have to go to um, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana sure. to chase okay. antelope. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's a couple bear trips in a year. You've got some, Elk mule. That's a, that's a full year. We should have a full freezer. Definitely. Um, we've been crushing, um, what we have right now. We're getting like, I'm looking, I'm taking inventory and I'm like, all right, a couple more barbecues. And, um, you know, we eat elk every day should hopefully be running out about the time season. And I love being out of elk meat going into elk season because it keeps my head on straight. It ain't about a 306 point. It's about you better get a bull on the ground. Like <laughs> mama bear don't care about antlers. She likes elk meat too. Yeah, it's exactly. How, how do you like that? Uh, how'd that Alaska bear eat? I donated that one to the guide. He wanted it and I did not want to pay to get it shipped yeah, um, right. to Washington. Um, I had 50 pounds of fish to, okay. um, to bring home. And, um, I knew I had a bear tag in Idaho and I knew I'd get a bear. Well, I hoped I was get a bear, but 
Yeah, that was a tough call too. But um, for bear meat specifically, first off, people don't, they always ask me like, well, what do you think about bear meat? I'm like, who cares what I think you should try it. It's honestly, it's, it's so underrated. And I've always heard like people say like the old, the, the guys that were out West, you know, trapping, doing wild game hunting, like they'd kill the ungulates, um, you know, for market hunting, but they would keep the bear meat to themselves. It's no wonder why, like, it's not, it is a greasier, fattier meat, but it, if you were to own order a, a steak at a restaurant, you're going to get a ribeye. You're going to get a T-bone. Right. You know, it's, that's a you juicy want that fat. fat. It's going to be a delicious. So bear meat's really, really good. And the texture's really good. And I think people get tripped out over, you know, worms or trigonosis, or it's just how you prepare it like anything. It is how you, I've, I like the slow cook. I've talked about that a lot. Uh, the slow, I do like full shoulders on, on the smoker, but another way, if you're scared of like the trichinosis or whatever, um, like the sous vide I've started to use for it. And it's like, if you're worried, just throw it in the sous vide where you know that it's cooked to X temperature and then you can sear it. And that's just a delicious steak. You know, it's, I love bear. That's why I ask, uh, the, the fat is sweet. I've got a jar of it in my my fridge that we we cook with and we uh like eggs and stuff uh so that's good to hear when you shoot a big boar like the one in idaho i didn't take great photos of it but it was like a really good bear and we couldn't take photos we're on a cliff but when we were when you shoot a mature bear and you peel that hide back i don't want to freak people out but like my forearm's not small but next to a bear's forearm, it's two to three X the size oh, yeah. of my meaty forearm. And I have meaty forearms. And then their shoulders are two, three X my shoulder and their chest is rippled. And then they don't even have a neck. It's just a straight line. Their thighs are so built. Like it's cool to break They're down stout. and butcher. It's yeah. fun to butcher bear meat straight yeah. up. It does kind of look like a really strong dude though. If you, when you're mm-hmm. cutting him up, it's like, but you're right. I mean, cause it's just more sh- like. I'm used to shooting deer. So when you like cut a deer open, you like, you know, to see, but once I started cutting up bears, it's like, that is totally a different, and they use totally different muscles than a deer does. I mean, they're digging muscles and their, their front shoulders are just like you said, they're just massive. They can I would not want even a black bear to get a hold of me. And when I no. looked at this bear, I was like, I would lose in a hand-to-hand fight, your shoulders, <laughs> your forearms, your power, your neck, your teeth so much respect for bears and i love bears man like i like i want bears i'm like a huge advocate for them to be on the landscape yeah i just have seen too much damage to elk and deer calves and fawns like literally with my own two eyes to where like i killed this bear because of a fawn in distress call that's how i killed yeah, this bear. right like yeah i saw that <laughs> and he didn't hesitate you know what i mean like he didn't hesitate one step no that's not, um, that's a learned behavior, you know, maybe it's instinctual too, but like they're a predator They're yeah. Yes. They like grass, but that's just, that's just salad, man. That's fluff. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do like the fact that bears live a long time. So they live on the landscape for a lot longer than ungulates. And they also are very good at producing, like 
Reproducing is something that they're very good at. And um, that's why I think we'll always have a lot of bears. Honestly, even if we smack a few, uh, we're not putting a dent on them. No, they're just growing. I think I saw that they're the fastest growing big, big game animal right now. Uh, and I, what I like about them is that they're just unique. Like you deer are, I mean, deer and, and I'm assuming elk and I have as much experience there. Uh, but they do like their, you know, they have their deer trails. They kind of follow a pattern and, you know, but bears are just like, well, uh, this bear decided to wake up and just do this for a while. And then he just decided to walk over there and, you know, take a nap under a tree. And then they're just kind of like, each one has a very observable personality, which is cool. I couldn't agree more. And they're fascinating animals. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever found bear dens, but like uh, a couple of places I hunt is just bear den Mecca. So the spring's always good. And you always get a new crop of bears in there. And it's just like finding these bear dens and just blowing your mind how many months they spend in there. Yeah. And how they get, they trick their body to just fall asleep, but not eat away at the muscle Yeah, and the heart rates some sows are giving birth in the den and then that how they get their GI tract up and running in the spring and how long that takes. Yeah. Yes. And then they slowly build up. And then, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man, I've been bear hunting a long time and I just still love every second of it. I just like watching the mountains wake up too. It's just every day's new out there and you see something, I mean, I could go on, but I love bear hunting. My wife was telling me she was reading this story about these, these guys um, had a, a cabin out in the woods and during the winter they kept hearing this like rumbling below the house. Like, what is that noise? Almost sounds like snoring or something. They couldn't figure it out. Well, they had a, a, a mom and a bunch of cubs under their house, uh, under the floorboards of their house, den up. And so they came out in the summertime or, or the springtime, but they were basically hearing these things, you know, messing around in there all, all winter, which is crazy crazy cool That's so cool yeah so well hey we're coming up on time here uh dan um but i uh, thank you for coming on um for people who are listening who might want to check out alcam check out some of the videos follow your podcast do all the things how can they get a hold of you how can they, they follow along uh what pick your poison elk shape so youtube instagram facebook website whatever the, the, what I will would I would say is just put the parentheses, uh, the parentheses, not parentheses, quotes around elk shape on Google, and then just hit enter, and all the, your top things pop up. So, uh, oh, good, it's easy to do. Yay. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much, everybody. Go check them out, Dan. Thanks again. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd Helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.